to fulfill the plan that was promised that a savior would come a lamb would be slain to pay the price for the sin of mankind and you did that for us in Jesus Christ thank you for the hope that we have this day and as we celebrate this Christmas season that our lamb our savior our messiah didn't just go to a grave he lives and he's seated at the right hand of the father and he makes intercession for us he makes it so that we get to stand before you as perfect as pure if we're in Christ thank you so much for that father this morning I know that in a crowd this size that there's folks who are hurting they need encouragement they need your spirit to touch their hearts God would you do that Father, I know that there are those who are struggling with physical things, that are struggling with emotional things, that there's addictions that are represented here today. But your promise in Christ is that you would come to heal that, to bring hope in the middle of it, to bring a chance at life, grace and mercy and hope in the middle of our difficulty here in this sinful world. And so we claim that this morning and we ask that by your spirit, you would touch our hearts where we are this morning. Encourage us, help us to see Jesus. Help us to be able to leave this place better able to serve you and live for you because of the time we spend in your word this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. We're so glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us this morning. I'm gonna take a little bit of a look around and see where I am so that I don't do what I've been doing the last while, which is, bumping into things behind me and almost knocking things over, um, which I still probably will do, but I at least made an effort. We're glad that you're here with us as we uh, come together to worship and to honor God. And often at this time of year, people will ask Mike or I, and I had a few people in November, hey, what are you going to be speaking on uh, for Christmas this year? And my answer is always the same. Mike knew Jesus. And I say that, and everybody thinks that that's a little tongue-in-cheek, and it is, but it also isn't. And what I am reminded of over and over, and as a Christ follower, I'm reminded of this in my own personal life, that folks, it's all about Jesus. And we get wrapped up, and not just at Christmas time, but in even as Christ followers, as folks who, who are in the Word of God, who claim uh, to, to study the word, word of God and be following the Word of God, we get caught up in all kinds of things that surround the person of Jesus, even good things, even things that are, are great things to study and to think about. And we forget that the main purpose and the main goal, the main mission is Jesus and giving Jesus to those who don't have him yet, allowing others to see Christ in us. And so, yes, at Christmas, and we're going to do that, and we did, Mike did a great job last week starting us out in this study of the book of John that we're doing, this little short study, really, of just chapter one, these few verses, and he did a great job of reminding us of the word, right, Logos, Jesus, the light, the light that repels darkness, the light that changes all, Jesus, and it's great for us as we start again this morning to be reminded that folks... The, the, the sheer purpose that God had for humanity was that their relationship that was broken between, between God and those that he created in his own image would be restored through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. 
And as a church and as Christ followers, it is our job, it is our mission, it is the goal, it is what God called us to through Jesus Christ to show others the love of Jesus, to bring the hope of Jesus Christ. And so this Christmas season, as you go into it and as you're doing all the things that you're doing, and I hope for you, I hope that you get time to be with your family and with those that are close to you. I hope that you get to celebrate together. I hope that as families, you get to hang out and enjoy each other's company. But return to Jesus. Keep going back to Jesus. Remind your family. Remind yourself. Keep your heart with the person of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to talk about, you say it, it's a Sunday school answer, are you ready? You say it, we're going to talk about Jesus. And it's okay. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 are the three verses I'm going to look at. Let me read them as we start this morning. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all may believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. And last week, Mike introduced us to the word and to the light and to the person of Jesus Christ and the importance of Jesus, who was God, to come to this earth, became a man, lived in a human form, walked on this earth, lived a perfect life, and then went to a cross for us. And and Mike started us down that path of introducing us to the light. And this morning, I want to look at these three verses in, the, in, in verses 6 through 8, and I want to give you three thoughts, one thought from each of the verses, very simple thoughts, but actually very profound thoughts from these three verses. The first thought that I want to give you is found in John chapter 1, verse 6, and I'm going to read the verse one more time to you. It says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now the author, the Apostle John, writes this to tell us about John, John the Baptist, another John, okay? And he's telling us that there was this man who was John the Baptist who was sent from God. He's a very significant character. He has a really significant work that he does. And he's not just significant because he was John the Baptist, but because of what he did, who he pointed to, what his main effort was, what his actually his entire life goal. And, and when he finished doing what he was supposed to be doing, he, he's, he dies. He's martyred. He's killed. And he's a very significant character for the person of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament prophets, actually Isaiah and Malachi, said this. I'm I'm just going to read this. It won't be on the screen. They said this. There's a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the the way of the Lord. Make the path straight. That was Isaiah. Isaiah. And then Malachi says it this way, See, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant you delight in. See, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. There was prophecies in the Old Testament saying, there is one guy who's going to come and he's going to speak, he's going to talk, he's going to shout, he's going to scream, and he's going he's to, all, all of his effort, all of his energy are going to point to the coming of Jesus Christ. That's all he's going to do. And those Old Testament prophets were referring to the coming of John the Baptist. And that was going to be his his job, that was going to be his goal, that was going to be his, his whole mission in life. It's what God gave for him. 
And then God fulfills that promise, those prophecies that were given in these words from Luke. And I just want you to listen to these words because they won't be on the screen. I want you to listen to this. In the day, days of Herod the king of Judah, there was this priest named Zechariah and his wife was, was from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. In other words, they were too old at this point to have kids. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Zechariah, standing to the right of the altar of incense. So he's in the presence of God and an angel of the Lord comes and stands before him. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you will name him John. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of righteous. He will make ready the Lord and prepare the people. And when Elizabeth, this is later, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby inside of her leapt. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the child grew up and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance of Israel. And so God sends an angel before this priest and his wife who couldn't have children. They're too old to have children. And he says, you're going to be special and I'm going to do something special with you. And I'm going to use you to have a child whose whole purpose and whole mission is to prepare the way for Jesus Christ who's going to come. And he's going to be so special that I want you to set him aside. And he's not going to be like any other child. You're going to take a Nazarite vow. He's not going to have any strong drink. You won't cut his hair. And, and he's going he's gonna to follow God. He's going to be completely righteous. And I'm using you as the parents for this special child. And Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And the last verse that I read for you at the end of that chapter in Luke is this. That when Mary, who is with child with Jesus, and Elizabeth, these, their cousins, they come together. And, and, and John the Baptist, who is, who is not born yet, knows that it's Jesus. That's a God thing, folks. The Holy Spirit was in Elizabeth, and John the Baptist knew that that was Jesus. And God says, I have a special job for this guy. And he's going to do something special for me. Let me introduce you. Let me give you a picture of John the Baptist. He was Jesus' cousin. He was six months older. He lived in the desert. If you and I saw him today and, and we met him, you may think he was a little strange. Um, because he wandered the desert with uncut hair and he ate locusts and honey. 
I mean, that's a common diet today in, in the Oxford Hills. I know there's some of you that that's what you eat every day. But this guy, that's what he did. He was a holy man. He fulfilled the prophecy that was made for him. He, he ministered along the Jordan River. He had a large following very quickly when he started proclaiming the truth about Jesus Christ. His message was a hardline message. He denounced the religious hypocrites. He told people to repent of their sin and turn from their sin and turn toward God. He did not mince any words. He was, he was this guy and he, and he had the same message. He didn't change his message. Over, it was one message. That's what he gave the whole time. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the way of the Lord. Turn to God. Repent. Get rid of your sin. Turn to God. That was his message. That was it. Would you come back Sunday after Sunday if that's all I said to you? That's what John the Baptist did. He proclaimed Jesus coming, and he baptized Jesus. Amazing. Amazing. John was sent from God. Look at these verses from Luke chapter 3. They'll be on the screen, verses 2 and 3. During the, the high priests of Ananias and, and, and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Well, look at this. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. That's it. God sent him and said, this is your mission. This is your job. I want you to go into the vicinity of the Jordan. This is the area where, where Jesus is going to start his ministry, remember? This is where the disciples, if you read the book, the, the Gospels, this is where they all are gathered together. This is where Jesus is going to start his ministry. And Jesus looks at John the Baptist. God looks at John the Baptist and he says, Look, I'm going to have you start your mission, your ministry, and it's going to be in this area, and this is what I want you to say. I want you to go out and I want you to tell the people, Repent. And ask for forgiveness. Repent and ask for forgiveness. He's on a mission. Guess what John does? He goes into this region and he says, repent and ask for forgiveness. Repent and ask for forgiveness. He said, Tim, why are you saying this? Because when God gives us a mission, guess what we should do? The mission. And I've said this to you as a church about myself and about us as people in North America. We are so easily distracted. And we become about all kinds of things that God never asked us to become about. And God is very specific about the mission that he gives John. And folks, the same is true for you and I. He's very specific about the mission Sent from God, this, this, these verses that we're looking at says this, there was a man who was sent from God. It's very specific. It's very special. God wanted John to do something specific. And folks, if you are a Christ follower in this room or in the other theaters or you're listening online, you have a very specific mission from God. You have been sent from God to people. We can look at this and say, oh yeah, that was way back then because Jesus was coming and, and God did something special with John the Baptist and it only affects John the Baptist and that's not true. 
Yes, he did something with John the Baptist. And yes, he had a special job for John the Baptist. But from that moment on, when Jesus comes and he goes to the cross and he pays the price for your sin and my sin, and he promised the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and he gave the Holy Spirit to all who would believe in him, from that moment on, we were all sent on a mission. And the mission's still the same. It's to proclaim the truth about Jesus Christ. Repent from your sin. And accept the forgiveness that is offered by the sacrifice of of Christ on the cross. The mission hasn't changed. In over 2,000 years, it has not changed. John was given... A a job from God. He was the personal representative of God himself. He had the full weight and authority of the master of God to present the coming of Jesus Christ. John had the authority of God to represent and to speak on God's behalf that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was coming. And we have that same authority if you're a Christ follower. He gives it to you too. Jesus looked at his disciples in John chapter 20 verse 21 and he said this. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Go. Go. Share the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Tell the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Be the messenger who tells the truth about Christ. And we know this about John the Baptist because here's what John the Baptist did. He spent all of his time and his energy saying, repent, be forgiven, look to the cross, look for Jesus Christ, look for Jesus Christ. And the moment that Jesus Christ shows up, what does he do? Do you remember the story? What does he do? He points and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes his way. That was my mission. <laughs> and he's here. Don't look at me anymore. Look, I think it's amazing that he does this. He has a large crowd of people following him, and he knows his mission. My mission is to point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. And the moment Jesus shows up, he says, stop looking at me. Look at Jesus. And so often we get wrapped up in what we're doing and and how good we are or or what we're saying. And instead of pointing people to Jesus, we want people to look at us. And John's like, no, 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 that wasn't the mission. Don't see me. See Jesus. Second thought. That was the first thought. Second thought found in the second verse 7. It says this. He came as a witness to testify about the light. So that all may believe through him. He came as a witness to testify about the light. So that all may believe. The Apostle John uses the word witness to describe John the Baptist. A witness, it's a legal term. It it refers to a verbal testimony given in court by somebody who is reliable. Who saw what happened. 
And John is a reliable witness here because it was God, right, who gave him the mission. It was God who filled him with the Spirit to talk about the coming of Jesus Christ. And John says that John the Baptist came as a witness, one who was reliable, to stand before people to say, this is the Lamb of God. This is God come to earth. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. He's here. That was his job. That was the whole goal. And when John saw Jesus in John chapter 1 verses 29 and and verse 36, both verses, it says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God, I am the witness that this is the Messiah. This is the one who's come. And folks, when Jesus sent you and I, when we became Christ followers, when we came to the point where we understood that we needed forgiveness, that we needed to repent, that we needed a Savior, then Jesus asked the same thing of us. Number one, to point people toward Jesus Christ, to tell them to repent, to tell them that there's a change coming. And that person, that change is wrapped up in a person, Jesus Christ. And the only way that you'll have hope, the only way that you'll have forgiveness, it's found in the person. Of Jesus Christ, and we are to become the witness. Now, here's the thing, guys. As I was reading this passage over and over, and I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about the culture that we're living in right now, and the day and age that we're living in right now. You know what I hear folks say a lot? I can't talk about Jesus at my work. I can't talk about Jesus with my friends. It's not politically correct. There's not one place in Scripture that I've ever seen where Jesus, in his commandment for us to be a witness, this this word that he gave here to John the Baptist, I don't think it was popular for John the Baptist either. You want to know why I know that? He lost his head over it. It wasn't very popular. There's not one place in Scripture where it says, hey, be a witness for Jesus Christ. Speak about Jesus Christ if people like it and they enjoy it. But if they don't, if they take offense to it, then you should probably clam up. You probably ought not to say anything. You wouldn't want to ruffle any feathers. Let let me put it this way. When those folks stand before God on Judgment Day, Because that's the promise, right? Do you remember that from Scripture? That every one of us will stand before God. Will they thank those of us who are Christ followers for keeping our mouth shut and not telling them about Jesus because it wasn't politically correct? Or will they wonder why we didn't say something? It's called eternity. What John the Baptist was, this, this, this assignment, guys, is huge. It's enormous. And we gloss over this whole thing of Christmas like it's nothing. And we celebrate and we, we, we have our decorations and we do our little thing and we sing our little songs. Mike was making fun of me in the songs, by the way. It's just because I love Jesus that I do Christmas songs in July, okay? 
But we skate over all kinds of stuff. We do it. It's simple. It's all this. But this is enormous. This is eternity. This is the God of the universe, the one who created us, who loves us so much and wants a relationship restored that he was willing to go to to amazing lengths to restore a relationship with me. I broke it in my sin. I was the one who put the nails in Jesus' hand. It was my sin that put him there. And God the Father looked at me and he said, I love that guy that I created so much that I will make a way for him to be made right with me and I will do it through my son Jesus Christ and he will pay the price for his sin. Tim will repent and ask for my forgiveness. I'll guarantee it to anyone who asks. It's huge. This is huge. And we're asked, we're called, we're sent on a mission to be a witness. Why why was I called to be a witness? You want to know why I was called to be a witness? (laughs) Because I experienced forgiveness. You want to know why you, if you're a Christ follower, why you're called to be a witness? Because you experience forgiveness. You've been redeemed. You've been made new in Jesus Christ. And those people that are around you, whether they know it or not, they're looking for the exact same thing. Renewal in Jesus Christ. And so like John the Baptist, folks, it is our job, it is our mission. We have been called, we have been commanded. It is what we are supposed to be doing in our families, at our job. Not being obnoxious, but it is our job to point and say, there is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And he'll take yours too. That's it. That's what he's asked of us. There's Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Let me ask you two things before I move on to the last verse. Did you realize that you were called on a mission as a Christ follower? Same way John the Baptist. Are you clear on what the mission is? Now, I want you to stop and think for a minute about that last question. Are you clear on what the mission is? And the way you know whether or not you're clear is just take a look at your last week. And if your mission really is to present Jesus Christ, how much time and energy did you put in the mission? See, where all of our time and our energy goes is the mission that we're actually on. We can tell people all kinds of things. We can present it in all kinds of ways. We can say that my mission is is Jesus, and it's only Jesus because I'm a Christ follower. But if my time and my energy and my very person doesn't follow that mission, then that's not the mission I'm on. 
And so often in our life, what happens to us, we, we accept what Christ did, and we're so happy to be in the family of God. We're so happy to be redeemed. We're so happy to be forgiven. But then we go about doing our own thing our own way. And our mission becomes about us, who we are, what we're doing, what we like, when we like it, and not the mission that God set up and said, behold the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. And so as we go into this Christmas season, you're going to look at this Christmas season, and is it going to be all about friends and family and hanging out and having a good time and eating good food and eating lots of sweets and chocolate needs to be part of that? All of that good stuff. But how much of that will be Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thought number three, found in verse eight. He was not the light, John. John was not the light. But he came to testify about the light. John, the apostle, the writer here, gives us this little phrase as a reminder about John the Baptist. He tells us from the very beginning, John the Baptist is not the Savior. <laughs> he, can't, he can't save you. He can't do anything. And by the way, neither are you and neither am I. As a Christ follower, guess what? I'm not the Savior. I can't save you. But the Savior can John the Baptist could not repel the darkness. He was unable to do that. But he was pointing to the one who could repel the darkness. He could only point people toward the light. He was only a reflection of the light. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the moon and the sun. Right? And I found some fun facts about the moon. Did you know that when we see the moon... Every time we see the moon, we see the same reflection, the same surface of the moon. It never changes. And did you know that none of the light, you probably knew this, none of the light that we see from the moon comes from where? The moon. It all comes from the sun. When you look at the moon and you look at the sun often, you think they're the same size. But guess what? They're not. The moon is 400 times smaller than the sun. And the reason that it looks the size as it does is it's 400 times closer to us than the sun is. But the moon is only a reflection of the light of the sun, isn't it? Well, guess what? That's what he's talking about here. He's saying this, look, John the Baptist, you're not the sun. Jesus is the sun. John the Baptist, you're only a reflection of the sun. Your sole purpose in life, your sole purpose in living is to point to the sun and reflect the light of the sun. Guess what, Christ follower? That's us. <laughs> I'm not the sun. I'm not the light. Jesus is the light, and I am only a reflection of the light. That's all that I am, and my sole purpose is to point people toward Jesus. I'm not as big as the sun. I'm not even close to the person of the sun. 
I am so small in comparison to who Jesus is. But Jesus in, and God in all of his wisdom decided to use you and me as Christ followers to be a reflection of his glory to mankind. And just a little dim reflection. I don't know if you've walked at night with the moon, but yes, it's nice to have the light of the moon, but you still can't see super clear. Even on those bright nights, you can't see all the detail. It's not all there. But in the morning, when the sun rises, guess what? The light completely dispels the darkness. It's completely gone because the sun Light is so much stronger than the reflection of the moon. And the same is true for those that you and I are pointing toward Jesus. We are only a reflection of the light. But when they meet the light, the Son of God, guess what? Their whole life is illuminated by the person of God. And our job is to point them to Jesus and step out of the way. See Jesus, don't see me. Folks, if you look at me or Pastor Mike or any of our elders and you look to us to be the ones who who show you and keep you in the truth, you will be sorely disappointed because we are only a reflection of the truth. We are still human. We still have failures. We still have shortcomings. Our job as your pastors, as your elders, is to point you to the light of the Son of God so that you live in the light of Jesus Christ, not in the light of Mossbrook Church or its pastors or its elders, but in the light of Jesus Christ himself. We are only a reflection of the truth. That is our job. That is our mission. That is what we are called to do. But you have to get connected to Christ himself because he's the true light. And that's what John the Baptist is. That's what John the Apostle is saying about John the Baptist. He's saying this, look, John wasn't the light. He wasn't it. He only pointed us to the light. Jesus said it this way in Matthew, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Not glorify you for what you did but glorify your Father who is in heaven. If John were standing here in front of us right now, he would say, don't see me. See Jesus. And as your pastor this morning, don't see me. See Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Turn to the light of Jesus Christ. As the moon is only a reflection of the sun, so we are only to be a reflection of the Son of God. So why should all of this matter to you this morning? I am glad you answered because now I can, can, can conclude, okay? This is why it matters to us. In this Christmas season, all three of these statements should be true of you and of me as well if we are Christ followers. As a follower of Jesus, you have been sent from God to witness, to tell the truth about the light of Jesus Christ, always pointing people to the light and not to yourself. How well are you doing? Father, grant us the courage to speak the truth about who your son Jesus Christ is and why he came. 
He came to be the light of the world, to redeem the world, to offer forgiveness and hope to a broken, sinful world. Help us, as John the Baptist did, to testify to the greatness of the light. Help us to bear witness to the change that you've made in our life. And help us to be an accurate reflection of your greatness to the people that we rub shoulders with each and every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Last line that we just sang, the world waits for a miracle. They're waiting for a little bit of hope. Guess what? You have it. If you're a Christ follower, you have the miracle. You have the hope. And like Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 20, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, so send I you. This season, as you celebrate Christmas, as you celebrate the birth of a Savior, would you give them hope? Would you present Jesus to others? Would you grant them that miracle that they're looking for? It's found in the person of Jesus and only him. Father, grant us the courage to speak truth, to speak it in love, to give people the miracle of hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Thanks so much. Thanks for the forgiveness that I have in my life. Thanks for the hope that I have beyond this world, the hope of an eternity with my Father in heaven. Help us as a church body to give away the hope. In your name we pray.